You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. You can turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, and we will just get a few things set up. If you're wondering, do things seem a little different today? Yeah, we're a lot smaller today. We got the short version of the trailer on the Sunday that we probably needed most, the, the, the longer version. And so uh, things are kind of moving in and about here. And so thanks, guys, for helping with that. And uh, again, so thankful for the setup crew and those who work um, in, in getting things ready for us on Sunday mornings and new curveballs thrown at them. And uh, we're just thankful, again, that we're able to do this. Thank you so much, guys, and, uh, and, and for uh, the team leading us today and the tech team. Again, just, just so grateful. And it is so good to be able to celebrate Father's Day. We have fathers here. We have uh, future fathers. We have grandfathers. We have great-grandfathers here today. And so we get to celebrate, and we're given thanks for that. Last week, we looked at one of the great promises in God's Word from Romans chapter 8. Romans 8.28 has oftentimes been referred to as a soft pillow for the troubled soul. And it's a truth that we saw last week in verse 28, and, and, and we said this, and, and I trust you remember this from last week, that even bad can be good. That even the bad, the unfortunate, the, the things that look like losses or mistakes or accidents, that the bad can be good. And let's listen to this promise once again. As Paul, under the direction, the Apostle Paul, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, writes these words with such confidence. And he writes in verse 28, and we know, and remember that was a, we know, we know this, that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. This is such a rich verse and rich truth, but sadly, it's often misunderstood. Sometimes we just don't even take advantage of knowing this and claiming this wonderful truth. But other times it can be misused. It can even be at times abused. And, and, and just given in, in such a trite and, and way that is, is untrue. And so here we cling to this reality and to this truth that even the good can be bad. It's not saying, and we talked about it last week, it's not saying all things are good. Because accidents and tragedies and viruses and cancer and, and, and the death of a loved one, a divorce, a broken relationship, addictions, disabilities, hurt, abuse, and so on. These things are not good. Having a tired and an aching and a sore body, these things are not good. And, and Paul is not saying, again, that this promise is for all people because it's not. It says specifically for those who love God. And last week we talked about those who love God. These, this is referring to the redeemed, the Christian, the believer, the one who has entrusted their life, surrendered their life to Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Then this promise is for you. And for the believer, amidst the groaning and the confusion of this life, this verse tells us that God works and God is working in all things for good, those who love God. Now, let's try to understand this in perhaps a more practical way. And here on the table, we have a number of items. And, and it's kind of hard for you to see them uh, from the patio, from the car. Uh, there will be a picture on this on the online lobby a little bit later. But we have some ingredients here. And, and Josh... Uh, the role of the intern is you have to do everything. Get up here, Josh. I'm going to need your help here in a second. And so here this morning, we've got some ingredients. And, and one of the things you can first off do is you can start by cracking this egg. Because here we've got some ingredients. And I'm going to ask you, Josh, um, to pick. 
uh, not, not this, this isn't allowed. Um, you need to pick two of the two items here that you would like to eat on their own. So, so you would choose the chocolate chips and what else? And, and probably the sugar, of course. Yes, your mother, if watching, will be very angry with you, and your grandmother will have some words with you today. And anyway, so crack that egg, because you see, all of these different ingredients, I mean, I mean wouldn't you want this vanilla? Well, it's, it's actually, it's like absolute vodka. Yes, my wife did go into a liquor store. She was like, oh no. And, and so she, she, you know how people walk out with the brown bag and their liquor in there? She walked out with the brown bag on her head. You know, it's just like, oh no, hopefully no one sees me. But vanilla prices went so crazy and she got some vanilla bean. And so now some really good, oh, really good. You're not drinking this just on its own, no. Anyways, because we need you for the second service and not to flop off somewhere and fall asleep. Anyways, I mean, what about this? This would be good, but, you, but this is sour because my understanding that, that sour milk in this recipe actually makes the item even that much better. Now, now, what do you think we're possibly... How about this, Josh? Would you want some of this? No. Are you sure? It's yeah. a little bit on the slimy side, like open wide. No, you don't want that. What, what, what is this? Do, do you know what it is? Yeah, yeah, like some real good rotten bananas. Yes, because what are we making here? Banana bread. Banana bread. Good ding, 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 ding. Now, now, you actually get to take and enjoy oh, this. Oh. And I infused it with chocolate chips because there wasn't any in this. And thanks to Carrie and Michelle, I, I was able to get some of this. But I infused it with chocolate chips. Um, and so enjoy this. So thank you. You can go. You can go enjoy that, and we'll see you second service. Uh, anyways... All of these ingredients, most of them, in and of themselves, are yuck. They're not good. I mean, the vodka, well, the vanilla, you could take, and well, some might say, I mean, you're just not going to go and chew on a stick of butter after the service. Like, you're just not going to do that, are you? Or the baking soda. I mean, it's just, in and of itself, the sour milk, all of this, but combine it all together, put it together, put it in the oven, bake it, and you've got some awesomeness. You've got some good. And this is the same thing that, that in the same way for the believer in Christ, this is what God promises to do, to take the yuck, to take the uh, bland, to take the, you know, the egg, to take all of this, and he mixes it all together, the events and circumstances, the good, the bad, the ugly in our lives, mixes it together and makes something good. And this is the beautiful promise of Romans 8.28. He takes the bitter, the broken, the shameful, the dirty, the cruel, even the evil things, as well as the blessings and the joys and the victories. And it's all put together. And he's making something good. He's making something good and amazing in our lives. This is what he's promising to do. If you're a believer in Christ, maybe you just feel a lot of it is like this slop right now. Your life is feeling more on the sloppy side of life. He is using that combined with everything else to make something good and something amazing. And maybe you're thinking, well, I don't believe it. I don't see it. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. You need to give it to God. You need to entrust it to him today. And I trust that by the end of today, you're going to say, God, because of who you are, because of what you're doing, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to take the ugly and the hard and the sloppy and the gross and the beautiful and, and, and all that and put it all together and believe that you're going to do good. And so maybe you're thinking this that nothing can come good of what you're going through right now. Give it to God. Entrust it to Him. And so church today, believer in Christ, let's continue together to keep hanging, hanging on 
Hanging on in that tough situation. Hanging on, trusting God, following the Lord, sticking together. Sticking together as family, sticking together as the body of Christ, sticking together in those friendships and those relationships that have turned, sticking it out together and trusting God because we're going to get through this. And the end is amazing, magnificence. Now, it's important that in our understanding that we have a concept of what good God's purposes are. Because in our understanding of God's good and what is good in life, what is considered good, and what God's purposes are, they're often very small, very self-centered, very materialistic. If I just have good health, if I just have good money, if I have good friends, if I have all of these things, then life will be amazing if I have these things. But God's good and God's purposes are far better than anything that we can even fully imagine and that we can fully comprehend. And verses 29, this is why you need to take God's word in context. That's why we love working through verses, verse, or, or passages verse by verse, because verses, verse 28 isn't, isn't just to be taken just on the coffee cup, or, or coffee cup or on the painting or in the greeting card. It's to be taken in consideration of verses 29 and 30. And, and to not take that is, is that's a... It's, Honestly, that is a spiritual, uh, biblical malpractice because we have to see what that good is because so oftentimes our good in understanding God's purposes are so small and so incomplete. God's good, God's purposes are for our strength, for our security, for our hope, and it will end out of this world. Look at verse 29 and 30. Josh read it already. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. In order, that, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now these verses, again, give us hope and they give us incredible perspective. And maybe you're like, huh? Those are just a lot of big words and I don't really see that. But again, verses 28 and 29 and 30 are so linked together and we have to see it in this way. In fact, they are oftentimes referred to as the golden chain. Now, I didn't have time to take and spray paint this in, in, in gold, but let's pretend maybe from your distance it looks like it's gold. But this is a chain. This is, has some strength. It has some stability to it. it, it, it it's not going to break very easily. And when it comes to the golden chain of what we see here in verses 29 and 30, this is an unbreakable chain that God has for us when it comes to our salvation. These are unbreakable, impenetrable activities of God linked together so beautifully, so powerfully, and it describes for us and it secures our salvation in Christ that ends in absolute magnificence. Now today... If we were to summarize these verses, these big words, we could pretty well bring it down to this statement, and I encourage you to remember this, and you're going to repeat it in a moment. I encourage you, repeat it good and loud in a moment, because here is an important takeaway that you can just summarize what we're talking about here today, and it is amazing, this truth, and here it is, God's got me. Can you say it, believer in Christ? Can you say it right now? One, two, three. Yeah, God's got me. Child of God, God's got you. No matter what it is that you're going through, this is an incredible promise. And these verses prove this truth. 
And it's greater and grander than what our finite minds can comprehend. But we're going to try to dig into this today. Let's give it a shot. Millions upon millions of pages have been written on these five awesome doctrines or realities. Five, millions of, uh, of pages written, as well as many debates and discussions. And we as mere human beings trying to comprehend and articulate God's amazing work of redemption, it's not easy, but we're going to take a stab at it here in the time we have this morning. These links, these unbreakable chain of God's love, we see this in a sequence, if you want to call it a sequence or a chain of salvation. And, and look at these important words. We see them here just as you quickly look at the word. The word foreknew, predestined, called, justified, glorified. Now, now these are right out of the order salutis of what we talked about a number of weeks ago, the order of salvation. And these links in the chain in these verses are God's purpose. This is where we see God's ultimate purpose and plan for our good, for amazingness. This is where we see it here in God's word. This isn't about the easy life. This isn't about, remember years ago, it was, there was a commercial Freedom 55, that by the age of 55, you'll just have freedom. This isn't about freedom 45, 65, 55, whatever it might be. This is grander than even that. This, this isn't, again, this isn't the easy life because guaranteed, we're, we're guaranteed to suffer trials and setbacks and difficulties and disappointments and frustrations Maybe for just certain seasons in our life, and probably most of us could attest to that, or maybe for some, it's going to be the rest of your life here on earth. It may mean that there will be unmet hopes and dreams, things you had hoped and trusted and asked and prayed and fasted God for that never came about. But here's the thing, and oftentimes the problem, we're so zoomed in. We are so focused on our lives here on this earth, on the groanings of our own bodies and our own circumstances or or we're so focused on our goals and our dreams and, and and just living just squeezing the sponge trying to get as much out of this life as possible desiring the good life and pursuing it at all costs folks that's so that's so small it's like this trailer it's like it, it's so small compared to what god's greater plan is for our lives and what we had last week or the other weeks again we're thankful for this but it's just something i mean we our understanding is so incomplete so small so shallow so worldly so temporary where verses 29 and 30 takes and and it kind of span takes and pans out from this little small navel gazing existence of our lives and let's face it that's oftentimes our lives isn't it we're just barely looking beyond our own navels this is about god's infinite plan for our good and verse 29 and 30 causes us to take and, and pan out from there these verses cause us to see the good and the purposes of god spanning from eternity past into eternity future but we need to get our heads out of the smallness of our lives and we need to see the grander perspective and vision of god now at times i don't know if you've done this you probably have i like look, looking at certain satellite images i like to go on various websites or apps and i like to zoom in and i like to look at our house and look at our yard or zoom in and see places other places where i've lived or have visited i like to go to my parents or charlotte's parents farm in saskatchewan and get that kind of aerial view from the satellite shots um, and, and and there you can see oftentimes such stunning detail and and you just kind of see some pretty cool things and i've zoomed in on our house in upper mission 
And you can see, you can see what we have over here. You can see the patio chairs. You can see our umbrella. They're sitting out there. The umbrella is out on the day that that picture was snapped. And, 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 and there you can also see, you can see some green grass. You can see kind of some garden area. And, and this is an area where, where we enjoy living life. And Charlotte and I, yesterday morning, most Saturday mornings, we're out in these red chairs having a coffee, just looking at God's creation, looking at the plants, looking at you know, things growing in the garden. See, I've got some cucumbers going about this long already. And like, awesome, can't wait. You know, and so you see all of these things. And again, we're so focused on the house, the yard, the family. We're focused on our education, our career, the challenges in life, as well as the blessings and joys. We're just so focused on this kind of micro level of understanding and living. But when all of a sudden you take and you can kind of do it, you know, with, with the mouse that you have or kind of a, a certain button that you press, then all of a sudden you just start kind of panning out from there. Have you ever done that? It's pretty cool. You start to see your neighborhood. You start to see Kelowna. You start to see Lake Okanagan. You start to see British Columbia. You see Canada. And next thing you know, you see kind of North America. And then next thing you're just looking at this great big ball. Josh, can you bring that ball here? Another job of an intern was his artwork. Uh, he's not good. Um, he's got to grow in this, but... So, so, so here it is. Thank you very much. So, so here you see Josh's version of North America. And, and you see it, I mean, the, but you do get some big points because in the middle of Saskatchewan, he did put the Saskatchewan Rough Rider symbol. So well done. You know, so, so that's a, a really good way to get in good. A anyway, so, so all of a sudden you're looking at life from a different perspective. And this is what Romans 8 29 and 32, it gets you out of our small little existence. Like, really, in reality, not a little safety pin here, just so I don't poke myself. I mean, our existence and where you're at and what you're going through right now is, don't worry, I'm not going to pop it because we have another service to go through. And we spent good money on this ball, and so it will be used. Anyways, so, but, I mean, our existence and what we're going through is just like a tiny little pinprick compared to the grandeur and the beauty and the majesty and the magnificence that God has for us that started in eternity future or eternity past and will end one day in eternity future. It's amazing what God has. And these verses give us a glimpse into that picture and helps us to see this. And, 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 and we may feel what we're going through right now is big, it's huge. No, it, it's it's very much like this tiny little, and, and I'm not belittling what we're going through, but we got to get our heads out of this, folks, and we got to see the grander, greater perspective because what we're experiencing going through right now is smaller than that little pinprick. What God has in store for us. Now, there's some big words that we look at here as we see this sequence of events and activities as we see God's work of salvation described here in Romans 8. And we don't want to skip over these words. They're important. Now, we're not going to go into deep theological lessons on these because each one of them could take weeks of, of discussion and in, in, in preaching. But we're going to do a flyover in trying to understand what this all means because this adds to the weight, to the substance, to the, the beautiful depths of what God has done for us. And it started a long time ago. That first word that we have, foreknew, or the word foreknowledge. This means to know before, to know in advance. In eternity past, 
before there was atoms, before there was the world, before there was molecules or magnetic forces, there was God. There was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And God's word tells us, this is so amazing, that before time and space, God foreknew you. He knew everything about you. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now, God just didn't know me as Milton Harold Lutzer, human skew number 6432, 12, 24, 67 from sector B41, 295, 6. That's not how he knows me, just as some sort of stock number in, in some warehouse of, uh, of, you know, some baby warehouse, and it's just like, he's going to be, you know, brought into the Harold Lutzer family or whatever it might be. No, this just wasn't kind of a casual knowledge. I mean, before I was born, God knew everything about me. He knew where and when I would be born in the Regina General Hospital. He knew that I'd have the surgery when I was three weeks old. He knew the day that I would take my first step. He knew if I'd pass my driver's test on the first try. And yes, I did. He knew when I would give my heart to Jesus Christ. He knew when I would be baptized. He knew who I would marry. And not just the details about me, but he knows and he knew from eternity past, he knew my thoughts. He knew on this day how many hairs there would be on my head. This is God's grandeur. This is God's foreknowledge. And it's all based on God's, this isn't a real word, made it up, but this is based on God's all-knowingness or his omniscience, that he knows all things. And he just doesn't have, like I said, the, the casual understanding. He has an intimate knowledge of who we are and what we will be doing here on this life. Look at the second word. We see it in sequences. We see there's the pre, uh, it says predestined or predestination. For though, those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn of many brothers. Now, when it says the firstborn of many brothers, this actually refers to Jesus having a place of honor of preeminence. But when it comes now here to predestination, this is a loaded word filled with a lot of mystery, a lot of discussion, lots of debate have been written about this doctrine. So what does it mean? Well, the word pre in predestination is like the word for in foreknowledge, which basically means that God in eternity past predetermined our final destiny, that we would be with him forever or we won't be with him forever. Now, if you are in Christ, this is a wow and an awesome statement. God has made you a person of destiny, of royalty, of magnificence. And right now, we're packaged in very human ordinariness, but one day, we will be glorious. And God will see that through to the end. He will make sure of it. Now, this truth is really difficult to truly comprehend and understand because then it says, well, what about free will? What about God's sovereignty? What about human responsibility? What part do we play into this? And again, this is a great thing for you to dig into and for you to study. We're, we're, we're kind of just cruising around it here right now this morning. And we're not able just in, in, the, in the few minutes to do this because great thinkers and theologians, Christians like you and me, we have wrestled and we have wondered about this. And actually, after a little bit, it just starts to literally hurt your brain. And there is tension. 
And there is difficulty, there is mystery in this. And our, our finite minds cannot comprehend or be able to fully bring this to full reconciliation in our minds. And you know what? In, in, in reality, that's a good thing. Because if you had a God that you could fully understand, that you, simple you or me, that we could understand, that wouldn't be that grand, would it? He's, he's shrouded in mystery and power and, and, and tension in this. But look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. And then in verse 11, it says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purposes of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Basically, God's saying, I'm in charge and I know what's going on. First Peter chapter 1, it says, and we went through the book of First Peter a number of months ago. Actually, we started it last summer. And, and verse 1, it talks about Peter's writing to the elect exiles. And that word elect carries the same meaning as predestined as predestination. Now, Calvinists and Armenians have been duking it out for centuries. And you say, who? Fashion designers? Calvin Klein and, and Armani are, are battling? So, no, this is kind of like a little bit more than that, uh, quite a bit more than that. Um, but here's the thing. God wants us to be confident in our salvation. He wants us to lay it to rest and not continuing to keep battling. Am I in? Am I out? Have, have, have I crossed the line? Am I, you know, kind of voted off the island? Am I pushed off the pier? Whatever it might be. And, 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 and instead of wondering, he wants us to be thankful and confident and growing and worshiping, growing in our faith, growing in our holiness and obedience to God's word because we understand how loved we are. Now let's look at the next link in verse 30. It says that, that we have been called... It says, and those whom he predestined, he also called. Now, in the New Testament, we see actually two different callings. There's the universal call, and then there's also the gospel or the effectual call. The day that God called your name, the day that you were saved, the day that you crossed the line from, from being outside of God to being with God. And that has to take place if you're going to be, if you are a child of his. You may not remember it. You were maybe too young, but something changed. And, and the universal call is the responsibility we have been given to share the good news of the gospel. This is the preaching. This is where preaching and teaching and evangelism and witnessing. It's about the Great Commission, getting out there and sharing the good news of Christ. It's the church's responsibility to do this. It's your responsibility. It's my responsibility to share Christ in our actions and in our words. So that's the universal call. But then there's the gospel or the effectual call. And, and this is the day, the time, the second that the universal call takes hold of our lives when we, when we respond to this gospel call and it has landed in our soul and we are saved and we become a child of God. For some of you, it happened when you were young, when you were a young child. Others of you were older. For some of you, it was a gradual process, thinking, researching, delaying. And finally, you said yes and it took and yet others, it was like a blinding flash, like Paul on the road to Damascus where you repented and you believed and it was that bright light kind of moment and experience. 
Some of you sitting here today, listening online, sitting in your cars, at one point you mocked and you made fun of Christians, thinking a bunch of weirdos, a bunch of fanatics, a bunch of crazy, bunch of weaklings that they needed the crutch of religion to get through. And, and again, religion, faith in Jesus Christ, it's, it's not a crutch. It's an ambulance. And, and, and it takes us to the one where we can find hope and help because we're all walking wounded and we all need that. And some of you, you, you rejected the gospel. When you heard it, you laughed at it. When you were in Sunday school, vacation Bible school, youth group, summer camp, when someone witnessed to you or you read a gospel track or saw you know, a, a, some sort of evangelistic call on, on, on TV, it was like water off a duck's back. It was just like you heard it and it didn't stick. But then one day it landed. One day, God called your name and you responded and your dead spiritual heart was regenerated and you were given the faith to believe. Your blind eyes were open. Your deaf ears could hear. The veil, in a sense, was torn in two and you became spiritually alive. And that day has happened for many of you where God has called your name. Now, maybe you're sitting here and you're wondering, well, it hasn't happened to me. Or I'm not sure if it has. How can I be sure? How can I be sure that I'm one of these ones that was called before the creation of the world, before, you know, here we are, this little pinprick over here. How do I know that some here before all of this was created, that somewhere here God in his foreknowledge called my name? Maybe I'm not amongst the group that has been called. Maybe it's too late. He said no back in eternity past. I don't have a chance. You know what? If you're thinking that right now, good, good, that's awesome. Because that might very well be, in fact, a good chance that he's calling your name right now. And it's time to say yes. You've been pushing him aside and God has been pulling you in and it's the day to take that call seriously. And God will help you to do that. Surrender to him. And today, in response to God's love, if you confess your sin to God, surrendering your life to him, that means you're willing, you're ready to turn away from your way, your agenda, and say, God, I want to follow your way. Receive him as your Lord and Savior today, believing that he paid the penalty. That's why today when everything was all kind of jammed in here and, and, and that is just like, we have to have the cross. We have to have the cross here because, not because it's like, oh, the sermon will stink if it doesn't. It needs to be that reminder for us what Christ did for us, that he went to the cross so we wouldn't have to go to the cross. He endured the wrath of God for us and it's understanding, it's receiving that, that he's done this for us. Listen to Romans chapter 10. Again, trying to reconcile all of this, and yet this is in God's word. And so we read it, so we believe it, and we act upon it. Listen to what it says, Romans chapter 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved be saved. Call on him today. He's a saving God. And if you've done that, or if you need help doing that, please talk to me, talk to one of our leaders, talk to one of our elders after the service. We want to help you in that. And when you do this, it changes your standing before God. And we'll see that in a moment. And this new life will result in a humility and a gratefulness and a love for God. Not perfect, <laughs> far from that. But with a new 
and changing desires for God, for his people, for wanting to obey his word, in worship and just being in awe of all that he's done for us in a growing way in our lives. Look at the fourth sequence. Look at the fourth link in the chain. Last part of verse 30, it says, for those whom he called, he also justified. Again, doctrine of justification, beautiful doctrine. This is a legal declaration. This is God the judge banging down the, the gavel and declaring us innocent. And it, it just, but there was a cost. It's understanding that Jesus paid for it all. He paid the wrath that we deserve. And at the cross, there the hell that I deserve fell on Jesus. And this means that we have then, not only are we declared innocent, but we've been clothed in the righteousness of God. His perfect obedience is placed on me. It's placed on you. I am declared fully righteous, not just innocent. He looks at me with the righteousness of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake he became, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. At that moment of salvation, God brought us into right standing before God. This means we're forgiven. This means that God is never, never will God bring up our past sins against us. We might, others might, the accuser of the brother, the enemy, Satan might and will, guaranteed, but God won't. He looks at us in beautiful, perfect righteousness that comes from Jesus Christ. This doesn't mean we live just a reckless life and just do whatever I want because I'm in. No, understanding this, we're in awe. And we want to obey. We want to follow him. We want to pursue holiness. We want to fight the fight of faith. Now, the final link or sequence is glorification. Look what it says in the last part of verse 30. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. That's how it all ends up. This is our future. Something that started way out here in eternity past is going to end up somewhere out here in eternity future, and it's glorious. More amazing, more phenomenal, more than wonderful than we could ever imagine. And guess what? You're getting a new body. And some of you need it. Um, and, and, and so do I, like, I mean, just the aches and the pains and the groans and, you know, like yesterday I, I was working on something in the garage and I stabbed myself with a, a, a um, really small screwdriver and it hurts. And then I've got a thorn here and then I've got an ache here. And we all have this. We could all spend just the rest of the morning talking about our aches and pains and our groans and all of that kind of stuff. But our future is over here in eternity. What started in eternity passed before the world was formed. He's working now all of this junk, all of this stuff going on in our lives, not towards just some nice banana bread here in, in our world and having a good juicy steak maybe this afternoon, amen, men, for Father's Day? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's more than that. It is glorious magnificence of what is coming in glory that we will be experiencing. The new heavens and new earth with bodies that aren't going to rust out or, 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 or die out on us at all. Everything complete with God. And, 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 and we'll be together with God's people for time and eternity. God wants you to have this confidence. 
when we face the troubles and the hardships and the trials and the gross things of life and stuff that you just would never chew on on yourself just on their own. He takes that all and he, 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 he's working that all towards future glory. He wants us to have confidence when we face trouble, when we face the hardship and the difficulty and even our own death. It is so different being in a hospital room, being in a senior's home, being at the bedside of someone who loves and knows the Lord and the peace in God's presence that he brings into their life as they take their last breaths than someone who does not. And will all one day, he, what he has started, he will complete it. The word glorified is the word opposite to shame. In eternity future, God will wash out. He will rinse the pain and the ugliness and the things that defined our lives that haunted us and hounded us here on earth. He's going to wash that out. That's not going to be who we are at all. And he will, in, in perfection, he will bestow glory upon us, giving us resurrection bodies, incapable of pain, fatigue, injury, hurt, tears, sadness. And all that we are going through right now will seem like that tiny little insignificant blip. End of a needle. End of a pin. Again, not saying what we're going through is not insignificant because it's big. But we have to look at it in what God is doing. Notice that God is so confident of this. Take, take a look at the tense that all these verbs are written in. What tense are they written in? Past. God's already like, this is a done deal. It's not like, well, can I see, you know. No, this is a done deal to him. Our future is settled in the past. No wonder God can work all things for good because what is good? It's glory. It's glorification. And God's ultimate good is that we be working towards that, that we rest in that. That yeah, things may stink and we may be poor and there may be difficulty and loneliness and rejection, but hey, God will never do that. We're gonna see that next week. Lord willing, no sep. Oh, I'm not going to go there yet. And that's for next week. And so are we going to kick and scream and stumble our way through this life and just bellyache and complain? Just thinking of another word, can't say it. Through everything that we go through, or are we going to press on? Are we going to commit? Are we going to trust? Are we going to worship with great confidence in who God is? Because many times I've been like this, and I'll probably be there again. And so have you, and so will you. At times we wonder, where are you, God? Where are you, God? What are you doing? Have you left me? Have you abandoned me? And folks, this is why we need to camp on this passage, because the world, the flesh, the devil is going to come hard against us and to see us discouraged. But God has it every step of the way. Do you have him today? Commit your life to him if you've never done that. Perhaps as a child of God, it's about choosing to trust him and obey him in whatever it is that you are going through. Commit, recommit to following and trusting Jesus today. Repent where you need to repent. Run to him in obedience. Say, yes, I choose to follow you and to worship him saying, God, you are good. Let's pray together. God, at times we don't get and we don't understand everything going on in life. But I pray that each one of us here, we would even call out to you right now and say, God, I don't understand it all, but I choose to trust you. I choose to believe you, that you are working. 
And God, I pray for anyone here who does not know you personally that today would be the day of salvation. Because your word says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Call out to him today. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. If you are praying this today and calling out to him today, tell me. You need to come to me afterwards and say, I did that today, or I want to do that today. Because it says with your mouth then, you've got you to you talk it out. You've got to tell someone else. You've got to make this your own, and, and, and by telling others. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And believer in Christ here today, then take all that is going on in your life, all that has gone on, and even the interesting future laying ahead of you, would you then claim together with me, and we know that for all those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Let's worship him right now in declaring our God is good. Do business with him today. Repent, run to him, get saved. Thank him for all that he's done. Let's praise him together.